It's Wednesday, June 30th, 2021. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you tonight by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. Hey, Chet, you know the saying that it's getting late early. Somehow the Phils are still only five games out as we reach the end of June, but the eyes are saying... It's getting late early. Sixers longtime TV play-by-play man Mark Zumoff announces his retirement, and the voice of God is finally going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, a lot of things uh, happening on the Philly sports scene, Bill. For the Phillies, a lot of it's been not so good, but you know what, Bill? We're going to turn garbage into gold. <laughs> yes, we are. yes, we <laughs> a little are. Little Zoom off reference there. The John Facenda thing, by the way, that was great. That was a real nice surprise. Uh, Zoo retiring, that was a not so nice surprise, but good for Mark. He wants to do a lot, as he said, in the fourth quarter of his life. We'll talk a little bit about Mark Zoom off later. And yeah, the Phillies continue to amaze us, Bill, in not a great way. Every single game, it seems, comes down to the wire and uh, leaves us all on edge and reaching for more beer. Well, that's in my case, anyway. Well, and we have a lot to talk about with that tonight for sure, because uh, there's just so many directions this thing can go. And, you know, the good news is they're only five back. Um, Like I said, my eyes are telling me it's a lot worse than that, but the standings are what they are. So that's good. But hey, I raised the question to you last week about gambling and sports and in-game odds updates, not knowing that you had former Inquirer sports writer Ed Barkowitz joining us today along with Philly's director of fun and games, John Brazer, a little later. John, John still has the best title ever, director of fun and games. Although last year, there wasn't a whole lot of fun or that many games, but yeah, John was still there doing the job. Uh, You know what? He's happy now that things are getting back to normal, and so are we, and we're happy to have our first guest joining us, so let's do it. Let's do it. Let's welcome Ed Barkowitz back to Philly Press Box Radio. Ed, welcome. What's What's happening, fellas? Good to join you. Hey, Ed. Uh, yeah, things are a bit of a mess, as we said, out on the Philly sports scene. So we can start just about anywhere, and that'll be the situation. But you spent a lot of time covering the Flyers over the past season, a season that we thought was going to be a pretty good one for the Orange and Black. What the heck happened? Well, <laughs> do, do we have an hour? No. Um, you know, they were winning early, and, and, and Bill, as you mentioned, the eye test, uh, it was deceptive. Uh, they were being outplayed in a lot of those games. They were being outshot uh, terribly. Uh, and then the goaltender started to sort of lose his edge. Um, they really – the trip to Tahoe uh, when they just got blasted by the Bruins, that was that was something that they did not need. They were still trying to find themselves. Uh, and then now they travel out to Tahoe. They get drilled by Boston. Then they come back. And then shortly after that – I mean, uh, shortly before – that was right after uh, they had their issues with COVID. Um, uh, where where really up to a half a dozen, maybe even eight of their top players uh, from Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek, um, you know, were, were idled by by COVID. It just uh, disrupted the whole the whole season. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who who are interested in a coaching change. I'm not there yet. I think that 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 there there will be change. There has been some changes, but to get the goaltender to figure out if Carter Hart is that guy for you. I think that's the primary sort of job one uh, going into next season. Yeah. Did, did you think, you know, everybody went through the same thing, uh, all these teams, some responded better than others, but the one thing with Carter Hart, it sounded like, uh, and I don't want to use this as an excuse, but it came from him was that he had trouble as a 21, I guess he's 21 year old. Um, handling this being by himself all the time and and mentally it broke him down is that would you think that's a common thing i've i've heard that actually from from other places in the flyers organization and even around that that it was tougher uh on the younger on the younger guys uh you know not familiar with the um or not really used to being by themselves um i i mean i i think it was also problematic for the married guys with children um, so I, I think that each guy was, you know, Bill, you've been around athletes probably your whole life and they're, they're creatures of habit and some do not handle 
such an upsetting change. I mean, you know, it's a it's probably not a correct correlation, but if you ever we've we've all seen the stories about the Super Bowl week and how some guys yeah. that week of the Super Bowl, all that pressure and all that talent, everything that they have, for some reason they just go haywire. Now, I'm not saying that that's what's happened here, but there are human beings. I mean, it's it's. I can't explain why Carter Hart went off the rails. I can't explain why Ben Simmons didn't dunk. Um, you know, there's a lot of these things that are, that are happening that are just kind of really odd. And that's a perfect tie-in, a perfect segue to Ben Simmons. Maybe we can get them the a discount deal, you know, a two-for-one on a psychotherapist to help, help these guys out. What are the 76ers going to do about Ben Simmons? I, I don't know if he's going to be here next season. I don't know if he should be, but if he's here, boy, he's going to hear it from the crowd if he doesn't change his style. How do you see it playing out, Ed? Well, I, I hate the idea of just giving up on him. Um, you know, you, you in February, uh, they were at Utah, and he dropped 42 on Utah, made 12 of 13 of his three throws. Um, you know, now in June, he not only can't shoot free throws, he is doing everything he can to avoid shooting free throws. Uh, his, his, his value is, will never be lower. So you're going to trade him. I mean, you know, there's speculation to get Damon lowered. That, that would be fine. I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't know exactly the salary cap implications and whether you have to give up the eyeball or, you know, what you have to give up to make all that happen. Uh, I, perhaps I'm a little older and maybe a little more patient. Uh, but I would not give up on Ben Simmons just yet. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And it, it's a, it's all mystery to me. It, it kind of sounds like you're saying the same thing with with Simmons, almost like with Carson Wentz. Like you just don't turn terrible overnight. Right, you know, right. it, something there's other things in play here. I just don't know from the outside that we know what that is. Yeah. And I think it's dangerous to speculate, to, to say he's given up or he doesn't care. You know, I, I mean, I don't find many athletes who don't care. I, I mean, I, I don't know why they, they don't, they stop performing, but it's generally not because they don't care. It's generally something else that's going on. Well, because we have a lot to cover tonight, uh, let's just switch to another team and talk about the Eagles. New head coach, Nick Sirianni. One of the radio stations did a poll the other day said, which of the current four coaches is the best in Philly and Nick Sirianni I think somehow won that because uh, the other three aren't doing so great right now but uh, what's your impression of the new head coach and could the Eagles perhaps surprise us this year well it's funny I, I think well there, there's a lot of questions obviously um, you know you'll, you'll have a quarterback who's never started on an opening day that to me is an issue uh, you have new coordinators you know also an issue uh, you know the offensive line needs to be if not rebuilt we got to figure out – they have to figure out who the left tackle is. So all that being said, they were 4-11-1 last year. Yeah. And they're still only 5-1 to one to win that division, which tells you how bad and how unpredictable that division is. Um, you know, does eight wins get it in a 17-game schedule? Yeah, you know, possibly. So there is – there's reason for optimism. Um, but it's there's, – there's also a lot of questions. Yeah, it's a sad state of affairs when Sariani becomes the winner. When when they brought in guys like Vigneault, Girardi, uh, you know, these guys are are established coaches, managers, whatever, and uh, it just hasn't worked out well yet. You know, and that's, uh, yeah, I mean, there's no disagreeing with that. But, I mean, I wonder if the Eagles are saying, well, you know, Doug Peterson worked okay. Andy Reid worked okay. Uh, Chip Kelly, not so much. But, I, I mean – you know, it's an offensive driven league and, and to have a guy, you know, who, who has worked, I, I think Sirianni has worked the last three years with three different quarterbacks, primary quarterbacks with the Colts. And so the idea of him taking, you know, another, maybe not project, but unproven uh, commodity, a quarterback, I think is, is something that's, that's going to be interesting to see. Um, I, I think they, this year they got the wide receiver that they should have gotten, uh, didn't reach and, you know, try to be the smartest people in the room uh because boy justin jefferson would look good on that roster <laughs> yeah oh yeah hey we may or may not get to the phillies at some point but we do want to cover a couple other things and one of those things is gambling sports betting uh and we see so many ads for all the different sports betting sites as we're you know watching the games i'm guessing that most of them are doing pretty well well yeah i mean uh nevada just had its biggest profit 
uh, of in its history in May. Now that is fascinating because there was no football in May. It was yeah. NBA, NHL, um, and and now we're talking the the casinos, the, the brick and mortar operations, um, because Nevada, frankly, is tepid to the idea of online betting because they figure that that's going to drive away the traffic from the casinos, which you know, I could see their point. But the point is, is it broke a record uh, that had stood since October of 2007 as far as profitability. So there is certainly room, uh, uh, not room, there is certainly profit to be had for the sports betting websites. Um, you know, I, I always caution people that, you know, there, there's there's things that, 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 that these websites are, are kind of taking advantage of you know, maybe the less learned sports better as far as manipulating the odds, you know, kind of, you know, talking up big, the, the point spreads, uh, I mean, the, uh, the uh, five and seven and, and eight team parlays to come win, you know, $50,000, you know, it's, it's, it's just like, you know, Gus the groundhog telling you to buy a lottery ticket because when you get into those multiple team uh, parlays, they're, they're really hard to hit. And then they're oftentimes sucker bets. A lot of the professionals, uh, we'll tell you. I mean, there's there could be edges to be gained, you know, in a in a few team parlay, but but those eight and nine team parlays are you know are are long shots and they pay astounding numbers because they're so difficult to hit. Well, and I'm I am not a better. Uh, Chet doesn't uh, every so often tosses tosses a little bet around, but mm-hmm. uh, my I guess uh, I find it interesting now. And we started to talk about this last week when when Chet told me you were coming on, but. Uh, you know, listen to Taryn Hatcher between periods telling us what the in-game odds are. Uh, as as a non-betting fan, I, and a matter of fact, I just heard Michael Barkan do the same thing on the pregame show for the Phillies tonight. Uh, is there value in that? And do people really listen and bet on that based on what they're being told then? Well, I think it's just it's as much about branding with whoever uh, – whoever is is partnered with the, the whatever media company, you know, whatever TV station. So I think uh, PointsBet is involved with uh, NBC Sports Philly. Um, there are other kind of uh, partnerships around, you know, ESPN has William Hill. And it, it's, to me, it's as much about making your, their companies uh, uh, more mainstream, getting them into kind of the conversation because there's so many out there, you know, the the novice better now now passed by the, the 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 Supreme Court ruling it was just a little bit over three years old that it's been overturned to uh, for sports betting outside of Nevada, and so it's still a very young uh, industry, and so a lot of companies are fighting to become you know name recognition and as such whether the the actual information and some of the bets and some of the props that are offered on these. Uh, uh, pre-game shows and even in-game shows, uh, I think is less, it matters less than actually having the, the name of the company out there so that they can become a little bit more mainstream. I know you have uh, an interest in the whole thing. Anything else we should, we should add about the whole sports betting thing or, you know, where the, where it's going? Well, yeah, I, 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 I recommend this to, to anybody. And now the professional guys, they know this, but for the novice people shop around, you know, it, you know, there's nothing wrong with sports betting. I mean, there's a lot of things that are wrong with it, you know, that need to be fixed and changed. And, and, you know, hopefully that'll come as it matures, but there's nothing frankly wrong with having a little action in the game. I I do it, you know, Mm -hmm. frequently and, you know, others, you know, that I hang with, uh, obviously moderation is the key, but shop around. I'm, I, you know, I was looking around and, um, uh, like, uh, Eagles Super Bowl odds. Uh, you, this is just an example. I don't think the Eagles are going to win this football, but this is an example. There's one website that has them at 70 to one. So, okay, you put 20 bucks, that's 1400. There's another website that has them at 125 to one. So now wow. you're talking, if that hits, and I don't think it's going to hit, but if it hits, you're talking an extra, what, five grand a, a difference. So it, it pays to shop, uh, to look around, not to just kind of go into have one uh, sort of app or affiliate that you're, you're, you're interested in. But but try to have multiple to give yourself options. Cool, interesting. Uh, Ed, do you think um, I find it interesting that the sports teams are are embracing the sports betting the way they are? But I guess at the end of the day, it's all about money, and uh, and and that's why they are. But uh, do you think it 
it provides opportunities for players to go the wrong direction and and that at some point we're going to see a breakdown there? I, I don't know if it's that. I think the one thing that, that the leagues have to be concerned about is uh, undermining confidence, um, specifically when it comes to injuries. Um, I, I can't recommend teams to not partner with sports betting sites, but boy, it, it sure would bother me if those partners knew Joel Embiid's status before the rest of us did and and the line went down a half point or a point or point and a half, you know, based on what they knew before. And, and I, I have no evidence that any of this has happened, but boy, it, it sure would look bad if, if something like that untoward were to come. Um, you know, I, I always go back to uh, the uh, mid to late nineties. I was actually writing fantasy football as sort of a I covered it. I wrote about it once a week. And I used to call, now the internet is in its infancy here. And um, so there would be stat, uh, uh, there would be statistical sort of uh, anomalies. You know, one site would have that, uh, um, you know, Brett Favre had 250 yards. Another site would have that he had 280 yards. And so I would call the league occasionally to try to get what was official. And boy, they couldn't be nasty enough to me. They would say, well, it's not our charge. You know, you fantasy football heads. That's and then something clicked where they realized they can make money off where they're, you know, whether me, Bill and Jim are actually spending money on the NFL, maybe not. But we are watching their games. We're buying the Budweiser. We're, we're watching the Buick commercials, whatever the ancillary economy is, 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 if you want. And so then they started to embrace it. And that's kind of what I see happening here with sports betting that, you know, they're not taking the bets per se, but boy, they're not dissuading anyone from making them. Interesting. Well, Ed, uh, as most people know, these are not great times for the newspaper business. And you and some of the other guys who have been at the Inquirer or Daily News for a long time recently, you know, accepted buyouts. You, Les Bowen, Mark Narducci, Paul Domowicz, uh, another frequent visitor to our show. And as it turns out, today is I have my my national calendar. It says today is social media day. So I want to ask you, has, has social media hurt the newspaper business or has it helped in some way? Or how does that all play in? That's a that's a fair question. And and you know, the the folks who are in charge, and and I agree with them to this extent that it's 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 no longer a newspaper business. It's a we're a digital company. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a couple more weeks, I have three weeks uh, uh, to go, and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss a lot of it. Um, so it, it, unfortunately the, the, the biggest, um, hurdle is getting people to, you know, to spend money for, for content when for years that content was given away for nothing. Mm -hmm. And that is the biggest hurdle, uh, that, you know, media companies are facing, you know, and so things have changed social media, you know, is a part of it, but, you know, for, for, for a lot of us, we've kind of been out there a little bit you know we do radio shows we do shows like this you know tv not a day goes by where somebody says to call me an idiot because you know i picked clemson instead of alabama and that's okay i mean <laughs> philly's a tough town but that's okay the 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 the, the people who who consume our shows and who watch our stuff and read our stuff they're among the smartest in the country and i'm not saying that in a patronizing way they're as they're as sharp as anyone and if you're if you are sort of unprepared uh, they'll call you on it and, you know, they'll, they'll make sure that, that you don't make that mistake again. And so, you know, social media, I, you know, I don't, I'm not on Facebook. I mean, I have an account cause I had to look up some stuff one time, but you know, I, I don't have the stomach for that, but <laughs> Twitter. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's useful stuff out there. some garbage, but there's oh, yeah. useful stuff out there. And um, you know, I, I think that, that it's, it's, it's part of the fabric. It's not going away. And our company and, and most other companies are trying are, are embracing it. Uh, it's just a matter of grabbing, you know, subscriptions and, and, and having people buy in because I, I hate the idea. It feels like Temple football when in, in the late 90s when they were awful and they were, you know, cons I don't know if they were considering folding the program much or going one double A when they were saying, well, you know, nobody's coming to our games. You can't complain if we got to make a, a, a rash decision because, you know, we need support. And. You know, to some extent, there is that, that, you know, the, our, our mid digital companies, you know, need the support of, of readers and viewers. Mm -hmm. 
Hey, yeah, I had one final question for you back on the gambling uh, thing. Yes, uh, do, does how everything has evolved over the last 30, 35 years, does that affect Pete Rose in your mind or is Pete Rose forever out? Uh, I personally, I think he, he ought to be forever out. I think that that as much as an advocate of gambling or as much as I enjoy gambling, that's the one thing you can't do. You cannot bet on your team, you cannot bet against your team. It's the one thing that they that is they can't make any more clear. Um, I mean, I understand that it now looks duplicit uh, because of how they've embraced it, but I would like to think that if someone now were caught betting on or against their team, that the penalty was would be just as severe. I have one final question. Uh, as you said, your time is winding down at the Daily News and Inquirer. What was the absolute best time to be there? Or maybe, you know, your fondest memory of your coverage over the last 30 years or whatever it's been? Yeah, you know, I've thought about that, actually. And and it, it would be the 2009 World Series. Uh, it was game two, and we were in Yankee Stadium. Uh, it was Charlie Manuel, me, and uh, two other national writers. And might have been about an hour and a half before the game. I think batting practice was about 5.30 or so. I forget. But it was about an hour and a half before the game. And And Charlie, when the cameras were off, is is a delight you know he, he he's very uh, open and he was talking and and the upshot of it was can you believe you know that a, a country boy is managing in the world series at yankee stadium after having won it the year before and he starts talking about you know going through the minor leagues in the midwest and playing in japan and you know getting hit in the face and you know and some of the stuff all the kind of things that he went through and and it wasn't and it wasn't sort of like a, a news conference or anything. It was just four guys uh, just, you know, just chatting, you know, we, we wrote about it, of course, but it, it was, it was really fascinating. And it was really interesting to see him soak it in and enjoy that moment. Cause a lot of these guys are so wound around so tight. And I understand that, that they don't enjoy the moment. And that was really interesting and really, really refreshing to see. Yeah. Sometimes it's just the simple things like that. That's very cool. Very cool. And, and the fact, and, and, and the time a couple of years later, when I asked him about the squirrel that ran across the plate in the 2011 uh, uh, series against the Cardinals, and he said, "Oh, if I'd have caught that, I, I got a good recipe for squirrel." <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Ed, we are out of time already, but we certainly appreciate you coming by. Always good stuff, and uh, even though you're retired, let's come back. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do plan to maybe do some uh, uh, freelance work with uh, some sports betting. I, honestly, I don't know. I'm going to catch my breath, uh, spend some time with my dad, spend some time with my family, uh, and, you know, see what the Lord has next. We'll talk Thank to you again for sure. All right. Thanks, All Thanks, right. Hey, Chad, if your couch is getting more mileage than your car, it's time for you to start saving with Allstate's pay-as-you-go auto insurance. You know it, Bill. Allstate's pay-as-you-go auto insurance puts you in control. You only pay for the miles you drive with the same full coverage that a traditional policy offers. Pay-per-mile insurance gives customers greater control of their insurance costs. See how much you can save with pay-per-mile car insurance by calling your local agent. And as you know by now in Westchester, that would be Dave Lavoy. Call Dave at 610-430-0700. Once again, 610 610- 40700 and start to save more now that you are driving less. Hey everybody, it's Willie Nile here and you're listening to Chet and Bill on Philly Press Box Radio. You lucky people. Well, hey Chet, speaking of unlucky, uh, the Phillies are self-destructing right in front of our eyes uh, with awful defense, even worse bullpen work. Uh, we saw an awful bullpen last year, and I think we thought they were going to be much better this year. Um, they're not. Add in the poor defense. Uh, it's hard to believe this team is only five games out. But but before we get to all that, because there's plenty to talk about, then you had a chance to visit today with Philly's director of fun and games, John Brazier. Tell us about John's uh, visit, and then we'll talk details about this bullpen. Absolutely. Well, you know, just knowing that the Phillies have a lot of promotions coming up, giveaways, a fireworks night, several dollar dog nights. 
Uh, and the fact that we haven't talked to the team's director of fun and games in a couple of years now, it seemed like the time was right to get John back on the show. John Bracer is an awesome dude, and uh, he never disappoints. Here is our chat. Great to have this guy back on Philly Press Box Radio. It's been way too long. John Brazier, how you doing, John? Hi, Chad, how you doing? Doing great. Doing all right. You know, I haven't seen or talked to you since late summer 2019. We were both out and about over in Wayne. Yeah. And I have to ask you this. What was the pandemic year of 2020 like for a guy whose job title is Director of Fun and Games? Uh, well, for a lot of Americans, it, uh it was weird. I just, uh, I mean, I know I didn't go to any game in 2020. Uh, we had them at the ballpark, but I didn't go to the, I, I went to the stadium. I never actually, I went a couple times to the ballpark, which again, this is my 28th season. Um, and then without going to any games, I didn't go to spring training this year, which is the first time in 28 years. So that was uh, odd. Um, and then, you know, I've been going to a handful of games. I've probably been to about seven, eight games. Now that we're at full capacity, I'll be getting to more. So I guess the good news is we got a Peloton, so, um, and I joined a gym, which is good. I got more family time. The dog uh, looks at me like I'm the guy that uh, takes her for walks. Um, so that's good. Um, probably spending too much time in the house. My wife's ready for me to go back to work full time. Um, but, you know, I can do a lot of my job from – from here, and I think a lot of businesses are finding out that with this pandemic, that you know, there's um, you know, certain people can do their job from home now. There's a nice balance, and it's not as good as being in the office because for me, I need to know information about all the different departments since doing shows like this. Um, and it's very easy just to be in the ballpark and pop into the promotions guy. If there's a change in the promotions, he can tell me, and or if I'm talking to the community relations person or talking to PR or talking to ballpark operations, it's very easy to kind of get that information. Whereas when you're doing it from home, you got to pick up the phone and proactively find out what's going on. So, but I do a podcast. I, um, I can do that from a restaurant. I can do that from anywhere. Um, I record a pregame radio feature for called beyond the base pass every Sunday. I do that mostly at, at, at the ballpark, but I can also do it from home. So it's, I, I, I've kind of found a nice balance between home and work. We'll talk about some of the promotions in just a bit, but let's talk a little baseball first. Now, John, I know you work for the team, but admit it, this Phillies team is often frustrating to watch. Well, I thought last year was frustrating, uh, super frustrating. And this year, you know, I think we already have 21 blown saves, where I think our record is 24 blown saves. And there's yeah. nothing more frustrating than a blown save. It obviously means you had a lead and you should win that game and, and you don't. And doing it in spectacular fashion, just even this last week, I mean, there's some of the most, uh, I mean, just some of the most horrific losses that you can imagine. So um, I'm a fan, uh, but I'm also an employee, so it affects my job. So I get hit hmm. double whammy. It's probably why I got, I, I've got i gotten uh, sent out of the room a lot when I'm watching the kids here uh, <laughs> because of my uh, outbursts. So, yes, you take it hard when you're an employee uh, and also combine that with being a fan. It turned out to be a four-game split up at City Field over the weekend, but the Philly starting pitching was very impressive there. One earned run over 23 and a third, I think, innings. A shame they couldn't get a W for either Aaron Nola, who tied Tom Seaver's record with 10 straight strikeouts, or Zach Eflin, who actually outdueled Jake DeGrom. Right. And then just even then look at the performance on Monday and you had Bailey Falter coming yeah. in. So you've gotten good starting pitching for the most part. I mean, there's been some blips. It's not been the issue. Uh, it, the issue is is either the timely hitting, lack of timely hitting, or certainly the bullpen is a huge eyesore right now. I mean, we got to be able to fix it. As you mentioned, uh, Major League leading 21 blown saves through the Monday night debacle in Cincinnati. They somehow have blown seven games, blown saves in like six days, which is just unfathomable. What's a manager to do? Well, I mean, you combine it with guys that, you know, you don't know who's available and who's not available at any given time. And then, uh, and then you, you know, you put in Neris and all of a sudden Neris will have a rough outing. And then you put in Archie Bradley and then you put in Alvarado. I mean, he doesn't have one sure thing. Yeah. I'm sure a manager likes to have one sure thing, whether it's Billy Wagner or Brad Lidge or, you know, somebody in that back of the, of the bullpen. Um, right now, we don't have anybody in that back of the bullpen that really is uh, the best option. So he's got to basically juggle and got to hope that whoever's coming in there can do the job. But, you know, until someone emerges and takes that spot, we're going to be in the situation. 
Well, the good news is they're back home now. The Phils have played much better at home than on the road. How big is this week's six-game homestand against the Marlins and then the Padres? Well, I think it's, everything's big now. Now that we're approaching the half the, you know, half the, the season midway point, um, everything's big. So especially when you're playing teams now, Marlins, who have been a thorn in our side for a while, um, and we've got it. This is the teams we need. These are the teams we need to really do well, especially at home. So it's very important. Um, you know, the Marlins, then we get the Potters, and the Potters are a tough team uh, this weekend. Uh, going to be really tough. It'll be interesting to see. I'm not sure if uh, Aaron Knoll's brother Austin is off the DL, but that'll be an interesting um, side story with Aaron Knoll facing potentially his brother, his older brother. John, in addition to uh, the ball games, there's a silent auction going on all weekend, part of the Phillies charities auction, so people can bid on things uh, all weekend long, which is cool. And then you have later in the month uh, a beach towel giveaway, a fathead giveaway, and fireworks night, July 16th. Fireworks still a big draw? Uh, it is, uh, although right now sales are fairly light. Um, I think you know it was, it was added somewhat late to the schedule. Uh, that is on July 16th, Xfinity Fireworks, and it's great because obviously, as you know, the city and there's fireworks shows on July 4th. This is this one is we always wait. We don't want to compete with the city, um, and so we we're having on July 16th. And again, it's Xfinity Fireworks night, 7:05 start. It's great. If as anyone's been to a fireworks show uh, at the Phillies, and usually we have two shows. This year we're going to have one show, but it's spectacular fireworks that uh, set to patriotic music. So you get a baseball game and a free fireworks show. Uh, and there's only one, so this would be the opportunity to do it. So plenty of seats available. So if you're looking to go to a fireworks show after July 4th, this would be the opportunity. All right. Then on August 7th, it's Wall of Fame night, and you have a popular 1980s Phillies infielder being inducted. And this guy will be tough. Manny Trail has had a good playoff. He has had an excellent playoff. He's two out of three today. A one-strike pitch. Trail, a line drive, fair ball. Aviles scores. There's Delonta being waved around. He's gonna score. Matty Trio at third and triple. Phillies lead at seven to five. What a comeback by the strike Unbelievable. I tell you what. I mean, I'm. Uh, let's see. I was 15 years old when the Phillies won the World Series in 1980, and you know, people always ask me who my favorite player was at the time, and it was. You know, it's, it's, I love Steve Carlton, obviously, and I love Larry Bowe and Steve Carlton, but I think really my, uh, or sorry, Mike Schmidt, I think one of my favorites, if not my favorite, was Manny Trio. I just remember yeah. when he'd get the ball at second base and he'd stop and then he'd basically wait and then he'd fire it over to first base. Uh, it just seemed he was clutch, just loved, loved Manny Trio. And I actually had met him for the first time probably about um, three years ago uh, and super guy. So uh, that it'll be fun to, to have him induct him to the Phillies Wall of Fame. Um, John, I was never a big Star Wars guy, but I know a lot of people are, and you have a Star Wars night on the schedule again this year. It's August 11th. You a Star Wars fan? Uh, I Yes. When I was growing up, I was a Star Wars fan. I got to have to admit that I haven't, I don't know if I've seen the last three episodes. I'm just, I guess you get older and you kind of, uh, it's not, I'm sure if I watch it, I would like it, but, uh, I like <laughs> have Star Wars nights and it's funny. Like we had game of Thrones night. Uh, I guess a couple years ago, three years ago, and I hadn't watched the series. And I guess the beauty of the pandemic is, uh, well, I'm not sure if it's the beauty of the pandemic, but part of the pandemic is that I started watching more TV than I probably should have. Uh, and I, I was able to catch up on Game of Thrones. So it's fun when we have these theme nights for all the fans, especially when you see Chewbacca or other people dressed up. You know, Star Wars obviously has their huge fans and uh, people dressed up with the lightsabers and Darth Vader. It's, it's always fun. All right, that's August 11th. I got to tell you, Mr. Brazer, I looked closely at the promotion schedule, and unless I missed it, I'm a little ticked off because I don't see a bobblehead giveaway this year. Uh, we're, I guess we're, we'll say we're sa there might be a surprise, but we're also saving it for 2022. We'll have a great okay. season. So, okay. Uh, we have some fat heads. We got a uh, IBEW Local 98 Zach Wheeler T-shirt, which is this Sunday. Yes. We've got a beach towel. Uh, that's on July 18th, uh, thanks to Johnson Controls Beach Towel. So we've got some fun things. We've got three dollar dog, Phillies, uh, Hatfield Phillies Franks dollar dogs. Um, we have a couple of Nemours kids run the bases. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we're some fun promotions coming up. Yeah, I think you have four or five dollar dog nights, and they're always a hit, right? Love it. Everyone loves dollar dogs. 
Exactly. Well, let's hope the Phils can get a few wins this week and make July, August, and September interesting. John Brazer, great to talk to you again. All right, thanks, Chad. And hope, uh, hopefully I'll see you in Wayne at some point or somewhere else. Hey, Chad, good stuff. Uh, interesting uh, as an employee, getting an employee's perspective that he's feeling <laughs> certainly every bit of the pain that we are, if not more. Yeah, how can you not? I mean, it's the team that you're working for, and you know you kind of live and die with them, just like a regular fan, because you're happier as an employee when the team is doing well. And uh, right now, they're tough. Many nights to watch. And and I have to tell you, I still got chills listening to Harry and Whitey call that Manny Trio triple only 41 years later. I knew you'd like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of chills, uh, let's talk about that Phillies bullpen and. You know, uh, the Joe Girardi picture the other night of uh, putting his head up on the step of the uh, of the <laughs> dugout pretty much tells you all you need to know. I think uh, anything that he does at this point, and certainly not, he, he's made some mistakes in my mind, but when it comes to that bullpen, there's not much he could do because there's not anybody getting anybody out consistently. No, but, you know, I got to tell you, I think he's cost them a few games this year, maybe as many as four or five. And that one the other night may have been one of them because the bullpen is bad, but he's going to bring in a guy in a 4-2 game who hasn't pitched in the major leagues in four years. And, yeah, he was doing well in the minors, but you're going to put him in his first time back into a high-leverage situation. Well, we saw how that turned out. So, we're well, talking about I, I, Neftali, whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, let's let's get to my head explosion, uh, the pitch <laughs> count. Uh, why did Vince Velasquez not pitch the eighth inning last night? Well, 97 pitches, he's mowing them down. Finally, he was. Velasquez in complete control, as was Wheeler the other night. Um, 97 pitches. So, so what if he gives up two runs, say? and he gets to 120 pitches, his arm is not going to fall off and lay on the ground. And he deserved an opportunity to go get three more outs in the eighth inning, in my opinion. I totally agree in this case. I mean, normally Vince has 97 pitches by the fourth or fifth inning, but he made it through seven the other night. And as you said, he was mowing them down. No reason he couldn't have gone back out there. And it's just one of those things. It's like you said, the magic number, you know, 100. Well, he would have been at 100, you know, on the next batter. Again, so what? Give him the opportunity. If two guys get on base, then maybe you go get him. You have somebody warming up in the pen. But Joe just has this thing where, you know, a guy gets to 100 pitches and oh, he probably can't be going any longer. Now, I know it was a hot night. It was 95 degrees or whatever at, at whatever at game time the other night. But still, did it look like it was bothering Vince? No. No. Well, and, and I think something that was – telling to me last night uh specifically is with Connor Brogdon and, and I know you and I both kind of like the way he throws the ball yeah but I think you have a young guy out there you bring him into the, that game in, in a comfortable four nothing situation but I I feel like maybe that bullpen right now because of the problems that they're having there's a lot of anxiety out there everybody wants to be successful and I thought with, with Brogdon last night he was overthrowing, overthrowing, overthrowing that fastball. When he slowed it down and threw the changeup, he was he was awesome. Um, but I, I think that this whole situation is probably really wearing on these. These guys are pros. They're competitors, and they're good, or they wouldn't be here. Um, but I, I think this whole situation is probably really taxing on those guys out there they're paid you know the, the, the other side is they're paid a lot of money to get people out we, we all know that but uh they're also human beings and i think when you get to uh alvarado you you want people wanting to make him the closer or maybe even joe wants no. to make him the closer he can't throw strikes consistently and again he overthrows at 101 miles an hour and and the, the you know the ball's all over the place uh yeah, not good there's no logical guy who's, you know, the obvious closer because Neris is too inconsistent. Alvarado, as you said, is just 
too wild. You can't rely on him. Brogdon, I don't think, is quite ready yet. Archie Bradley's been inconsistent. Coonrod uh, has been well, they've all been inconsistent. So it's pretty much a crapshoot anytime. And that's why I know you poo-pooed the idea, but that's why I thought that, you know, Ben Davis and some of these other guys said, why not Spencer Howard? I know he's back down at AAA. They're trying to work with him. But if he's good for one or two innings before losing velocity and his composure, why not consider making him a closer or a reliever at least? Well, first of all, they got to find out why he's losing velocity. That, yeah. That's not normal. I mean, is he, does he have arm problems? What What's the reason? And he's been in the system now for how many years? And now all of a sudden he can't throw past the third inning over, you know, with any velocity. Something's wrong with the kid. Uh, he's got an arm problem or he's got something. It just doesn't happen that way. Well, so, he's had some arm problems. And, yeah, they were, they've were they been talking about him since 2019 as one of their top prospects. And right now he's not looking like a top prospect. No, no. That experiment failed miserably, uh, at least at this point. And, and I think I said to you, we were texting during the game the other night, it almost looked to me like he was, he was just pitching. You know, he wasn't grinding. He wasn't getting after it. And he just kind of looked like he was out there just throwing. And that, that bothered me a little bit, too. So the standings right now, as of, uh, I guess, this morning, have the Mets up by three on Washington and five on the Phillies. And, you know, the Nationals looked like they were dead in the water a couple of weeks ago. They were, I think, eight games out at one point. And then Schwarber's hit, you know, pretty much a home run every game that he's played over the last couple of weeks. He's got like 25 or 26 on the season now. And all of a sudden, Washington is right there, three games back. That's what the Phillies need. They need Harper or Hoskins or somebody to just go on a tear and, you know, knock in runs every night and continue to get the good starting pitching, and they can actually make a run. I'm not counting them out yet. I know it looks bad, especially because of the bullpen, but I'm not going to count out the Phillies yet. Yeah, well, speaking of uh, Reese Hoskins, he is not in the starting lineup tonight. Brad Miller is playing first base, uh, kind of an interesting move. Uh, Hoskins is struggling, but you know, again, he did hit the homer last night to break an 0 for 23, but maybe it's the analytics. Maybe Miller hits whoever's pitching tonight better. I don't know. Well, I mean, and again, Hoskins is a mystery too, because uh, he's had these two long hitless streaks. Yeah. Over 30, over 23. Right. It's taken his average down to like 225, uh, but home runs and RBIs and hits. He's still up in league leaders. So uh, if he would just, be able to make contact a little more regular, uh, you know, he'd be fine. But um, Bryce Harper with another home run tonight already, Chet. Oh. Uh, he needs to warm up. Of course, guess what? Solo shot. Go figure. <laughs> 11 solo homers for Bryce. That's just amazing. Go One other guy I want to mention, Alec Bohm. Um, he's been up and down as far as the consistency. Uh, he was in a slump. He got hot last week. He had a rough weekend. Then he got three walks and he had a hit, I think, the other night. Um, But he's only got four home runs. And, you know, for a big guy playing third base, that's that's a traditional power spot. And I expect to see more power from Alec Bohm. Not to worry. Okay. I know you're a fan. I am a fan. And I'll tell you what, (laughs) the reason that he's raised his average 30 points is because he's not trying to hit home runs. He's hitting the ball where it's pitched. He's hitting line drives. The power will come. You know, you got to remember, I don't remember what the exact numbers are, but he's a rookie. Essentially, he's a rookie. He hasn't played but 100 major league games or 120 major league games. Um, He's not Mike Schmidt. And uh, Mike Schmidt was awful his first year, too, by the way. Um, 192 or 196 he hit. Right. So, Alec Baum, I I think, is going to be fine. He swings the bat well. Interesting article in the inquiry the other day talking about how many balls he has swung through, strikes that he swung through. They did a whole statistical analysis thing, but uh, more than ever, um, <coughs> and he said he didn't really understand it either, but he's just missing a lot of pitches. But from a power standpoint, I'm not going to worry about that. Let him get up, get that average up to about 280, and then he can start trying to hit the ball out of the park. 
Well, as John Brazier and I discussed, the Phils are at home now, this little homestand. I want to see them win five out of six, get back in the race. We'll see. Hey, I know you want to talk about the edge of Philly, guys, but uh, before we move on, just a quick shout-out to one of our diehard listeners. Jane and her husband, Bill, are leaving the Philly area. I think they're in Sheltonham. They are moving out to the Pittsburgh area next week, right after the 4th of July. And that's Jane for the people watching the video. No, she's not going to become a Pirates or a Steelers fan, she assures me. She and her husband just want to be closer to their grandkids. I understand that. And uh, by the way, this cake that you see in the picture was from Greg Lazinski and Dan Baker at their weekly Bull Session show because Jane's been going to every show that they do on Monday for a long time now, so they become friends. Our minuscule budget bill doesn't cover cakes for listeners, but we do send Jane and Bill, all the best on their move to the wrong side of Pennsylvania. Absolutely. Uh, Jane's been been with us for a long, long time, and we certainly appreciate her and uh, hope the best for her and uh, can't argue with them wanting to be around their grandkids. Yeah. So good luck, Jane and Bill. All right. Well, hey, Chip, uh, a lot going on, as you mentioned, over at the Edge of Philly Sports. So we wanted to give a, a new rundown of some of the activities that are happening and uh, this episode for one being streamed live across Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. It's now on Twitch. Uh, you can also catch all the action on www.eopsports.com. Uh, help us out. Hit those subscribe, follow, like buttons, share it with your family and friends. Uh, the lineup, the Broad Street Bully podcast uh, releases every Monday with Drew, Jeff, and Doyle talking Flyers hockey. Uh, their live show will be returning soon. Lax Philly, that's a new one with Kevin and Gary. Uh, the big team up covering everything lacrosse from Philly and beyond. Great articles, videos, and their live show is going to be coming up as well. Edge of Philly Sports Live, Fred, Joe, Big Al cover four for four and so much more Philly sports. They're live Wednesday nights, 9 30 p.m. Eastern Time. I will be on that show tonight, Mr. Chesco, at oh. 9 45 as well. And Bird's IQ, Kyle and Eric Quinn returning soon with their live show every Monday night during the season. And the Patterson Avenue Fanatics every Saturday, 9 a.m. Wake up with TK, Marks, James, Paul, David, Dave, and Damon, and get your Philly sports talk on. So if you miss any shows, no worries. You grab the podcast on all the major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Blog Talk, and remember to sign up for the EOP weekly newsletter that comes out every Friday morning. I'm signed so, up. I'm, I'm signed, signed up. up as well. Good stuff. A lot going on over at EOP, and uh, the, the the group is growing, and uh, we're having a lot of fun with it. Everybody participates, helps each other out, and uh, good stuff going on over there at EOP Sports. You know that, Bill. What do you hear? I hear the random chat ring the bell. Well, what Bill, you, you got? Just- you just talked for like 45 seconds straight. You can take a break now. Okay. Take a two and a half minute break. Go get yourself a beer or something. I talked about music a few times recently, but this week it's going to be, well, one of my other favorite subjects, beer. Yeah, over the past three months, I sampled about 30 more new-to-me craft beers. And as you know from the past, I'm not really an IPA guy, but I did actually try six IPAs over the April through June period. One of those was this one. It's called Big Man's Brew, and yeah, that's Clarence Clemens on the front of the can. Love the big man, didn't love Big Man's Brew. I drank this on the 10th anniversary of his passing on June 18th. Sorry, didn't love it. Now, among the ones that I did try that I maybe would consider saying that I liked would be this one. It's called Trapa Cannon. This is an ale with blood orange, grapefruit zest, and other natural flavor. So among the six IPAs, yeah, this is probably going to get my top grade, but still not one that I would go out and buy on my own. All right. So here are a bunch of the craft beers that I drank over the past three months, some of which were good, some not so good. But none of the ones pictured here, for those watching the video version of this, would be in my top tier. I will get to those in just a second. But, oh, I didn't love either of these two beers. Angry Dad... Amber Ale, and from Conchahawken Brewery, Ring the Bell. And by the way, this Conchahawken Brewery item, Ring the Bell, a Pilsner, will set you back $14 for one can 
at Citizens Bank Park. I kid you not. Now, the eight beers that I enjoyed the most over the past three months are these that you can see if you're watching the video. Three of the eight have a blueberry flavor to them. There's Wachusett Blueberry Ale, UFO Main Blueberry Ale, and one that my buddy Tom brought over last Saturday, a Blueberry Lemonade Shandy. Also among the Elite Eight are a Kentucky Vanilla Barrel Cream Ale, a Polish lager from Tischke, a nice tropical wheat from Flying Fish in Somerdale, New Jersey. And there's a tasty one from Yingling in Pottsville, Pennsylvania called Raging Eagle Mango. Finally, another one from Pennsylvania, Evil Genius Purple Monkey Dishwasher. And I'm holding the bottle of that one because, well, I like the name and I like the taste also. It is a chocolate peanut butter porter. Not something that you would drink all night, but uh, pretty interesting. So there you have it. Drink up and as always, drink responsibly. Hey, I, I have to ask, who who names these beers? What, <laughs> the craft beers the always have one? great names. What was the name of that one? <laughs> Purple Monkey Dishwasher. Yeah. I don't know what it means. What? And it's a chocolate peanut butter porter, so go yeah, figure. Would that make you want to go buy that? <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't even sound good. I just, I found it, and sometimes you can buy a single bottle, so I did, and it was good. I, I enjoyed it. Definitely one of my favorite dates. And one of those blueberry beers I happen to have with me right now, UFO main blueberry and it's pretty good and by the way july which begins tomorrow is national blueberry month so there you go there you go 14 dollars huh at the ballpark. 14 dollars for ring the bell a little pricey i how actually many, did how buy many one you go drink at the ballpark I, I bought one and you can get a six pack for i think 14.99 at the beer store i bought <laughs> one for 14 dollars. wow wow now maybe maybe it's a four pack for fourteen ninety nine at the beer store, but still, yeah, they really jack it up at the ballpark. You know that. Yes, they do. Hey, I wanted to. Uh, Why I was listening, I was looking at this Phillies game. And, you know, we talk about mysteries in this game. Okay, so here's how it started out: Herrera, Segura, and Ramuto all strike out in the first inning. They strike out the side. <laughs> wow. Harper comes up and hits a home run. Right to start out the second. He walks McCutcheon. He walks Bohm. He strikes out Miller, and Maton hits a triple to knock Ooh. in the two runs, and then he walks Nola. Wow. <laughs> he struck out four guys. Now he's walked three guys. We Maybe they have Vince Velasquez pitching tonight. <laughs> and and a triple and a homer in addition to everything else. So. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it is, and I think we, we talked about this a little bit last week when I mentioned the comments I heard about the Orioles. Uh, what, what's going on with the Phillies is not unusual to the way things are happening in baseball. It's it's a crazy it's a crazy season the way things are happening, and maybe that's why you're still uh, five games out come July, even though you're you're not passing the eye test. Bill, I'm looking at the clock, and hold on, we're coming in for a landing. Yes, so. we are. <laughs> so great guests tonight in Ed Barkowitz and John Brazier. So who do we have coming to Philly Press Box Radio? next week next week it's another former longtime newspaper guy who we haven't talked to in a while mike kern is gonna join us next wednesday evening the colonel we'll talk about everything on the philly sports scene you know mike loves to talk yes he does well, <laughs> you know uh you you let in with a little mark zoom off so we wanted to go ahead and and talk a bit about that uh Mark announcing his retirement yesterday and also the voice of God, John Facenda, finally being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, John passed away in 1984, Chet. Where in the world has the Pro Football Hall of Fame been for the last 40 years? Yeah, it's taken them a while. But uh, you know what? I'm going to talk more about Mr. Facenda in my parting shot. So hang on to that. But let's talk about Zoo, first of all. Mark Zumoff, a legend, caught us all by surprise with his uh, announcement that he is calling it a career. But you know, what he said was a lot of neat stuff and very personal stuff in his little letter to the fans. He said, there are several issues at play here. Foremost is my wife of nearly 38 years, Debbie. I can never repay her for all of the nights and weekends she spent alone raising our sons and holding down her own high-pressure career. Simply, she's my best friend and we want to spend more time together. He added, if life is a basketball game, I'm into the fourth quarter. And basically, there's a whole lot of things he wants to do while he is still able. So 
you know, we wish Mark the very best. He is one of the best, and we're going to miss him calling the Sixers games. Yeah, you know, I, I said this when I posted it on, on Facebook. Uh, the Philadelphia fans our age, you know, um, have been so fortunate with the broadcasters that we've gotten to hear over the years from the time we were just little kids. And for Sixers fans, um, the age of our edge of Philly sports guys and, and, and our, our kids uh, have never heard a Sixers game that did not have Mark Zumoff. Yeah, 27 years doing the TV play-by-play for, for Zoo. So, Yeah, and uh, a lot of great tributes coming. Not only uh, the Phillies did a nice one, uh, John Cruck and Tom McCarthy last night. Great. Yeah. Allen Iverson, Allen Iverson uh, with a nice tribute. And they came in from all over the league and uh, a very, very respected guy, uh, Mark Zumoff, and certainly going to be missed. Be interesting to see how they replace him. And we all know about the zooisms. Uh, we love them. Turning garbage into gold, which we snuck in there tonight. In rhythm for two. And down it goes. And, you know, in the tight game, we're on the seesaw and locking all windows and doors. Just so many great ones. I'm going to miss all that. And you can't really replicate or duplicate those because they were zoo. So the next guy's going to have to come up with his own stuff. Whoop, get out of there. Garbage into gold. That was, it. That was always a go. classic. Yeah, I love that one. All right. We're going to hold off on John Facenda because no parting shot. Let's do the parting shot. I'm going to do my parting shot right now because it's about John Facenda. Here we go. Go. Uh, The deal is, Bill, it's three or four decades late, is what I was trying to say. But the voice of God, yes, is headed to Canton. The Pro Football Hall of Fame made it official on Monday, announcing that the legendary John Facenda will be the 2021 recipient of the Pete Rosell Award, which is given annually to a broadcaster for exceptional contributions to radio and television in pro football. For those watching the video, you're seeing a picture of Mr. Facenda and Steve Sable of NFL Films. Just what a voice, what a voice. Uh, folks like us who grew up in eastern Pennsylvania came to know and respect Facenda from his work as an anchor on Philly's Channel 10 in the 1960s and early 70s. But at about the same time, mid-1960s to be exact, 65, Ed Sable, Steve's father, hired him to narrate NFL films, the, the scripts that they would put out. And he did that terrifically right up until his death in 1984. And for those who haven't heard it, shame on you. But here's some of his legendary narration, part of a piece about the Oakland Raiders. And uh, this is classic. This is John Facenda doing The Autumn Wind. The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea, with a rollicking song he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten, he wears a hooded sash, with a silver hat about his head, and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country. A villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. Boy, it doesn't get any better than that, Bill. And, you know, it's, it's, it's nice that he's going into the hall in the same year as Steve Sable goes in. They both join NFL Films founder Ed Sable in Canton this August. Fantastic. Fantastic. And like I say, I don't know where they've been for 40 years that, uh, that, that John's not in. I mean, it took a long time for Ed to get in. Yeah. Um, and and Steve, Steve is a little quicker, but uh, – Great for John, great for his family, and uh, Roman Catholic High School, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in Temple, by the way. How about that? Hey, final thing, uh, 50 years ago today, Bill, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was released. Great movie. It came out exactly 50 years ago today. And 50 years ago this weekend, we lost the legendary Jim Morrison. Uh, He left us at the age of 27. The front man of the doors found dead in an apartment bathtub in Paris. And, uh, man... I was a big Doors fan. Here is Chet's Choice Cut. So many great songs. Roadhouse Blues. Love Me Two Times. Backdoor Man. Hello, I Love You. Touch Me. People Are Strange. Light My Fire. The list goes on and on. Jim Morrison gone 50 years this weekend. Yeah, what a what a talented guy. And, geez. and, and all the songs that they did put out, and he was only 27 years old. 
Bill, we're coming in for a landing. A All landing. right. Shot clock is unplugged. <laughs> Let's thank tonight's special guest, Ed Barkowitz and John Brazer, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LakeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave LaBoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester. For Jim Chechesco, this is Bill Furman, and we hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, July the 7th at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook or listen to us through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com and slash phillypressboxradio, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Edge of Philly Sports Network, and others. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and go Phils! Happy trails to you, till we meet.